Hello and welcome back to Frank Friar Fridays. This is Father Patrick Baikowskis recording this from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. This is our fourth time together. And I thought it'd be appropriate, given that we have elections coming up soon, to start with a prayer that was given to us by our Holy Father, Pope Francis, last week in his new encyclical, uh, Fratelli Tutti. And this is called A Prayer to the Creator. Lord, Father of our human family, you created all human beings equal in dignity. Pour forth into our hearts a fraternal spirit and inspire in us a dream of renewed encounter, dialogue, justice, and peace. Move us to create healthier societies and a more dignified world, a world without hunger, poverty, violence, and war. May our hearts be open to all the peoples and nations of the earth. May we recognize the goodness and beauty that you have sown in each of us and thus forge bonds of unity, common projects, and shared dreams. Amen. I think that's a beautiful prayer to ponder in our hearts as we approach our election in the next couple of weeks. So thank you for the wonderful response to the podcast as we sort of inch along, feels like, I don't know if it feels like it to you, but I, I didn't have a, a real plan as to how long each of these sections might take, but it seems that I'm trying, to, what I'm do, am shooting for is 20 minutes for each of these podcasts, and it, I just sort of break when it, when I'm at that point, but it seems like it sort of falls naturally into uh, elementary school and junior high school, and then a couple years in uh, high school, and now the, the, the concluding two years in high school will probably be what we take up tonight. So we ended with my sophomore year, and you heard a little bit of the sorts of activities I've been involved in, and they really continued for the for the next couple of years as well. I would say that at best I was a hard working average football player. I, I wasn't particularly good. I wasn't particularly bad. I was a defensive end. I enjoyed playing football and that changed junior year my high school, Crete Money High School, the Warriors, had decided to go all in and hire a new coach. And his name was Jesse Vale. He came from a semi-professional team in Joliet. I think they were called the Joliet Owls. And with him, he brought an entire staff. I have no idea what it would have cost back then to bring in, I think there was like six new coaches. And they took it very seriously. Interestingly, here in the Priory, about a month ago, we were doing movies every Friday night, and we watched Remember the Titans. Now, that movie is based on a true story. I think it is in Alexandria, Virginia, or Arlington, Virginia, about a football team. And the, the real thrust of the story is about integration of this black football team and a white football team, two public schools that merged. Uh, and it was it's a powerful story. I would certainly recommend it. The thing is that I that what struck me is how very similar the training was for football 
in that that's depicted in that movie and what I experienced. What did I experience? Double sessions in the summer. For some crazy reason back then, you didn't drink water. There was no thoughts about hydrating. We would go in an entire practice and get literally a thimble full of water and a little salt tablet. And I remember that's the sort of thing that was going on in Remember the Titans. It was gruesome. And Jesse Vale was all about winning. I remember him quoting Vince Lombardi saying, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And that's, that's his, that was his modus operandi. I remember him showing us a video of when he coached at Wheaton College. And it's one of those grainy videos and all the coaches had long coats on and big uh, fedora hats. Uh, and there's a, there's a play and you could see the, the, the opposing team, whoever Wheaton was playing, there, there's, a, there's a halfback running down the field Nobody is uh, there to be, to be able to tackle him. And Jesse Vale grabs, you could see it very clearly on the tape, Jesse Vale grabs somebody off the bench and basically throws him at the player, this guy that's running down the sideline, and tackles him and runs back to the bench. And it went completely unnoticed by the referees. And so he robbed the coach robbed this young man of his touchdown. And Jesse Vale showed us this because he was very proud of having done that, to win at any cost. And, you know, it, it just really took all the fun out of it. I, I, I played junior year and senior year because it was the sort of thing that guys did, you know, and, and, and yet to this day I'm kind of sorry I did because... I played, I played uh, in the, the concert band that we had. We didn't have an orchestra, but we had a concert band. And I was proverbially the second chair, but the, the director the, wanted me to be the drum major. And if I was going to be the drum major, I would have to give up playing football. And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. And boy, am I sorry I didn't. <laughs> I think it would have been much cooler to be the drum major. Um, so anyway, I, I did play my varsity football my, my junior and senior year. Uh, of course, um, uh, I'll touch again on that when we get back to get into my senior year. But I also remember my very first traffic ticket. I had a Ford, 1964 Ford Galaxy 500, and I was one of the very first group person in my little group that got their um, driver's license. And so I remember being out, we would call it bombing around. That just meant you went driving round and around and around. You'd stop at McDonald's, which was a brand new thing, believe it or not, back then. And you'd go and you'd get like a chocolate milkshake or something like that. And then you'd just drive around. We were very safe. You know, we were all pledged not to smoke and drink when we were, when we were athletes. And we were very, I was at least, very faithful to that. And so I, had, I must have had like seven or eight people in this car, and I wasn't paying attention at all to what I was doing. And I go right through a stop sign over in Park Forest. And I was immediately pulled over by a, a police car. The policeman comes out. I'm as I'm nervous as I could be. I've just turned 16. And he looks at my ticket, and he says, Patrick Bykowskis. He pronounces my name exactly right. And... So I'm thinking, oh, thanks, God. Thanks be to God. This man must know my father. My father had been the chief of police of the neighboring town. And so, of course, then he says, you must, you must be Chief Bykowskis' son. 
And I said, yes, sir. I was always very polite to the police. And I said, oh, yes, sir. That's my dad. And he says, well, if your father's half the man I think he is, he's going to beat your ears when, when you get home with his ticket. And I said, oh, mother of mercy, <laughs> this guy's going to give me a ticket. And he did. And I would, and back in those days, we would, we would have to forfeit our ticket or forfeit our license when we got a ticket. And so I... Um, would beat it home every night after school so I could intercept the mail before my mother or father got it so that I could hide that um, ticket from them. And I succeeded. I, did, I didn't tell my dad until I was 25 years old that I had gotten this ticket. And I asked him, and I laughed, and, and he laughed too. I said, Dad, what would you have done? He said, oh, I would have beat your ears. And I said, oh, you would not have. He had my, my father never raised a hand to me. Well, um, we yeah I was in you know more of the shows and I, I was the junior class president and we were continuing on our our efforts to uh, work towards our our big junior senior prom and I was in a couple of shows that year as well. Right before the the junior senior prom, I guess it had been about a month before, is when we had our elections for the following year. So here I'd been the class president for three years. My brother, by the way, Joseph, my twin brother, he was the all-school president our junior year. I'm the junior class president. So we kind of really, the Bikowska says, we had a real sort of little machine going on or something. So I'm going to go, of course, for an unprecedented fourth term. And I, I thought I was going to, you know, I was like a shoe-in because I'd been president for, for three years already. And lo and behold, Rick Casera, who had been a friend of mine since first grade, ran and beat me by 22 votes. And boy, I was, I was really kind of distressed by it. I, 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 I just didn't think it was going to happen. And I think I was getting a little bit cocky, too. What on earth did I need to be president for four years the entire time? But I was hurt by it, I'll tell you that. And the, and the prom was coming up. And so I had raised all of this money for, now, not just me, you know, but I, I was kind of in charge of it and everything. And so we had all this money that we had been raising it for the junior-senior prom. And I remember our our our, our advisor, Marvin Getty, who was a biology teacher and the wrestling coach, he said, well, you should save some of that money. And I said, save it? Save it for what? He said, oh, for your, like, 50-year reunion. <laughs> Bad chance of that. I said, why would we do that? I, as far as I was concerned, I just lost the election. I was going to spend every nickel of it on this junior-senior prom, and I think we did. But I also think no one was uh, sorry that we did because it was just over the top. It was called Cantonese Cotillion, and it was this sort of oriental theme. And we lowered the ceiling. We, we decorated every inch of the space in that in our cafeteria. Uh, had a live orchestra, a big band, too. I think we had like a 25-piece 20, orchestra. And this, this big pagoda, and there was a stream with goldfish running in it, and a waterfall, and Oh, it was just—it was just incredible, and it was really spectacular. It was a kind of an unforgettable night, and I took uh, Maxine Rosner, as I recall, and she's still a great friend of mine. And uh, Tom Fraley, my best friend, brought Debbie Ruby. Now, the, now I only thought about this a couple nights ago because Tom is, you know, still a very good friend of mine too. And back then, 
all the girls wore pink, baby blue, yellow. And I think that's it. They all wore these like like these springy colors. Well, Tom, much to the surprise of everybody, asked Debbie Ruby. No, wait. No, it was Pat Rose. Well, now I can't remember. It was one of those two to go to the prom. And it was somebody that was not really in our circle of, of friends. And she came into the prom with a scarlet red dress on. Now, for us, Gone with the Wind was still very much visible in our conscious. And that's what happened when she entered the, the, the room was just like Scarlett O'Hare entering that birthday party and Gone with the Wind. It just like everybody stopped talking. It's like, oh, my gosh, does she have a red dress on or something? So anyway, there was a kind of a, a, one of those moments that seems so silly now, but it was awfully striking back then. So uh, the pr- I'm very, I was very proud of the prom, and I, was, and, and, and I think it was a memorable evening for, for us all. I um, I got over it, you know. I, I started working at a bank that summer, the Chicago Heights National Bank, and and enjoyed that, and began my senior year, and I I pretty much immersed myself in everything that I could possibly find to do, you know, all the various clubs, the Spanish club and the letter club, the the varsity letter club, and all these sorts of things, because I wasn't an officer any longer, but. Um, we I, and I played s- football my senior year, and I, I, I started. And as I said, I, I, I it was okay. I, I but I really can't say that I, I enjoyed it all that much. As soon as football was over, uh, we didn't have any sort of when when I when I was playing football, we always had to go out for a spring sport. So my senior year football ends, I don't have to go out for a spring sport, and the the sort of promises that we made. I, we may even have signed something that said we wouldn't smoke and drink. I sort of felt like, well, now it's lifted. It's gone. We don't have to do that. And that's when I, I first had a, a drink. Now, you know, maybe when I was a kid, we had a glass of wine or a sip of beer or something like that. But this was a time when um, there were, marijuana was present, but it, it that was something that really sort of freaked me out. It wasn't something that I would ever think about doing. Smoking cigarettes, yes, I did. Drinking, I I wasn't really a, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't hesitant at all. And there was a couple parties that I remember clearly getting drunk. And uh, I think one of our parties, it was in some, some of the parties in, in, in uh, Park, Park Forest that friends of mine had, I think one of them got raided by the police, and I got running out of the house down the street. And I didn't think I, anybody else would have remembered that until a reunion. But it's when I, I would say that that became something kind of attractive to me. That you know, you're, you're, certainly we were all underage because back then the age was was uh, 21 to be able to drink legally. It changed when I was in college to 18. Of course, now it went, it's been gone back, but. It was it was something that sort of like a cool thing to do, and so was smoking. That that uh, spring, I went, all of the Spanish club went to uh, Mexico, and that was a big deal because that was the first time I'm going out of the country, and my and it was just our 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 teacher, God bless her, our poor teacher, Mrs. Delgado, 
we had this crazy, not crazy group. It was, we were, we were good friends. We had been friends for a long time in high school and grade school. And, and uh, there was probably about 12 or 14 of us, I think. It was way too much for her to handle. That She should have had somebody else helping her in this, uh, this kind of uh, experience that we had. We went to Mexico City and we went to Tosco and we went to Acapulco, as I recall. And it was a, it was a, a great experience. I mean, it was my first time out of the country. I, mean, I remember my friend Tommy Tarquinio, my oldest friend back then, he went. Oh, gosh, he was so fastidious about you know, not, not drinking the water. His mother had packed all these drinks with him. And when I remember getting to, we shared a hotel room. I remember getting to the hotel room and everything was soaking wet because he wouldn't let his feet touch. His feet basically never touched Mexico. <laughs> he was either wearing flip-flops or standing on towels or something. And he would just so fastidious about about um, uh, being careful about c contracting anything. And of course, he was the only one that got sick. And I do remember that um, a couple of nights we went out because, of course, there's no drinking age in Mexico. And um, we, here we are seniors, and, and we, you know, now we can drink legally. So we thought, oh, heck, why not? And I think some of the other uh, uh, people, there were some juniors with us as well that, they were sort of the wild crowd from Lincolnshire, uh, which is a little kind of subdivision within Crete, and they were all they were all wealthier people. I think they some of them probably smoked marijuana, but I certainly didn't do that. But um, we, we're coming to the end of the senior year, and it, it it was it was nostalgic. You know, this is a time when we had been together for a long time, and we were all could see that we were going to be partying and trying to decide where to go. Um, I wa my first choice was I, I had wanted to go to, to DePaul University in Chicago, a Catholic school. And my twin brother decided that that's where he was going to go. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I loved my brother dearly, but I just felt like yeah, after 13 years, we needed to separate. You know, this is, this is enough of all of this. And so... I said, well, if you're going to DePaul, I'm not going to DePaul. So it's interesting. I only visited two schools, Purdue University and Bradley University. Now, that's interesting because <laughs> where did I end up eventually in some way? But they're both primarily engineering schools. I don't know what I was, frankly, what I was thinking about, what I was looking for. I ended up going to Bradley mostly because I was an Illinois State Scholar, and the scholarship was only good if I went to a school that was in state, be it a private school or a public school. But Bradley seemed to be just the right fit, the right size. I didn't want to go anyplace too big, just far enough that my parents wouldn't stop in every weekend. And then my friend Tommy Tarquinia decided to go. So we were both going to go there and, and room together. So it seemed like a confluence of all good things. And so that's where I decided to go. And I worked at uh, Chicago Heights National Bank again that summer, and they uh, were really good to me. I had started working there when I was a, a senior in uh, high school, and I would go and I'd do all kinds of odd jobs, kind of rolling coin and just professional things. You know, it was the first time I ever had um, 
um, a job where I wore a certain a shirt a certain tie every day and and I I guess I would say this that my my that last summer was a, a one that was was very nostalgic in a good way uh, it was leaving the high school experience on good terms and having had uh, an op- lots of opportunities to participate in a, a great many leadership uh, opportunities and sports and coming out like uh, someone who felt you know, that I had accomplished something, that I had worked hard, I did extremely well in school academically and uh, felt that it was one of those things that prepared me for what lay ahead in my, in my college. So that's it for today. Uh, Again, thank you for being with us and God bless you.